This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us here at The Verse Cast. Uh, Norm and I, I don't know if you were briefed ahead of time, but we're, you know, big Trekkies. And can I say that? Is Trekkie derogatory now? No, I don't think Good. so. Good. Yeah, I went through uh, the whole Trekker, Trek in. No, we don't care anymore. Yeah. Good, good. As a longtime Trekkie, since I was like a child, born and raised on this stuff, um, we're very excited to have you. Huge yeah. fans of season three. Just really like, just want to thank you for that because that was uh, one of the highlights of my uh, entertainment last in the past year. Um, so we need to know, uh, David, you were thrown into the deep end on this series because you're coming out on season three of a series that has dozens of shows and films connected to it. So mm-hmm. how did you do your R&D for this? Like, how did you approach that insurmountable task? Uh, well, luckily, I, I got thrown in on season two. Uh, so it was a, a season two, season three uh, blender of, of a world. Uh, so we were in and then we threw a pandemic in on top of it. Uh, so that made it a little bit more challenging. But uh, as a lifelong Star Trek fan, I didn't need or uh, to, you know, get as up to speed as a lot of people. So I was already uh, a big fan of the show, knew most of the, the nuance of it. And it was all just a matter of bringing what had been previously established into the new millennium, but uh, maintaining the continuity of design that people like uh, Herman Zimmerman had already created. We know both of you are Trekkies. We, we uh, Terry, I, I got to see the uh, panel at New York Comic Con this past year. So, but my question that I, I was hoping somebody would ask there, but didn't get, was how big of a sandbox did you actually have when it came to the the design and even everything dealing with this series were they like hey here's where you can't go but feel free to do whatever you want over here pretty much the sky was the limit um uh, within the 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 confines of uh the 25th century i think i you know we we wanted to honor what had come before uh specifically we wanted to feel like we were telling the next chapter of what we saw after those Star Trek movies. Uh, um, so that that was certainly the North Star for, for Dave and I, uh, is to feel like it looked like it came right after uh, the, those chapters. So that was pretty much our sandbox. Well, you know, the Changeling and the Borg working together to overthrow the Federation. I mean, I, in my wildest dreams, I couldn't have wished for that, partly because it's so like haunting yet thrilling, right? Uh, but was there like a deeper message you're bringing to putting, bringing these two together? Is this something you thought about for a while? Uh, well, I mean, they're both, they both kind of exist as hives. They seemed like similar villains in that when they both, uh, these particular villains had a uh, similar beef in that they were both poisoned. By the Federation, uh, the Borg, by by a uh, by an unalt uh, timeline, Janeway and uh, the Changelings uh, at the end of Deep Space Nine. So there was a uh, a similarity there. 
but also because they were perfect end game villains for what we wanted to do um, in this story. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Deep Space Nine. It was just great to see the changelings come back. Yeah, and but they've evolved. And in, and in design, too, uh, we're used to uh, anyone who's watched Deep Space Nine will remember that Odo and the rest of the changelings had this like golden, like goopy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Um, but this it, they're changed now. Um, the easy explanation there is like, oh, well, we got better special effects now and vi- uh, visual effects that we can do this. But was there a deeper meaning behind their evolution here? They were different that, you know, these were the product uh, of an experiment and they were they had to look a little bit different just because their insides were more specific uh, when they were trying to be human. But uh, also we tried it. We went back to the old effects and it just didn't hold up. It looked mm-hmm. antiquated and high def. So it's twofold. Yeah, I, I feel like it was a little more like effectively creepy as like a, as an evil villain, um, especially now because yeah. they're definitely the bad guys in this. Yeah. Uh, and the, you also had the or- organic Borg. Uh, so yes, thank you for that nightmare as well. Um, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, like how many different designs did you go through to kind of get to that point? For which of the Borg queen or for the Borg uh, when they were sort of infected by... Uh, infected. The infected, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not many, you know, because that's called like a transfer, um, that, that effect. So that has to be done really quick because you're, you're doing it across many, many cast members that day. So it has to be sort of glued on them quickly. So that you don't have many, many designs to do. Uh, so that's our, 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 it's Vincent Van Dyke and James McKinnon uh, coming up with those designs. But that we had those designs done pretty quick. Yeah, but they came out great. Yeah, I think people forget that in like first contact, there was only like 10 Borg. They just keep yeah. reusing and yeah. re and rethink. It's like yeah. it wasn't like a giant army. So we had you know more stuff going on and in a quicker time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I'm joining the bones camp now in not wanting to have to transport anywhere. Um so right. once <laughs> technology comes about when yeah um, the dust the going to have second thoughts when designing the new ships in the fleet, um, such as the new Titan we see in season three here. Uh, how much of that is guided by the newer series that are out like discovery and strange new worlds. And how much of that is guided by the legacy shows, obviously like TNG and the original and um, deep space nine. I would say pr- probably 0% guided by the, the new shows and a hundred percent guided by the old, the original shows and and the passion for it. I think the the other shows, Strange New World, Discovery, do amazing work, uh, but they're in a different time period in a different you know world. Our goal was to go straight at the uh, the original series, the Next Generation, as well as the TOS Kirk era, and I think that the Titan really does that. I think we talked early on about the idea of going back to a classic saucer shape. Uh, you know, iconic silhouette and uh, Bill Krause, his Titan design just does that. I think we said early on, it was the idea of like the, the Dodge Challenger uh, Mm -hmm. car. It's a 2003 car, but it has the look and feeling of that 1960s heavy metal car, but with an upgraded technology. And again, that's what we wanted to do. It wasn't about nostalgia. It was about going with classic lines and something that was iconic. Yeah. And for me, it was Starfleet's ships were starting to get 
far too aerodynamic for me. They were starting to look, they were getting away from the classic Star Trek saucers and nacelles too much for me that I, I wanted to head back in the other direction. Yeah, it was very cool to see. I mean, you know, I've watched every piece of Star Trek, but I do have a soft spot in my heart for the classic designs. I mean, we're in space. It doesn't need to be aerodynamic, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, but um, what, what was also surprising was I did not expect to see so many of returning characters like Ensign Rowe and a- Admiral Shelby. And of course, you know, the little tip of the hat to Odo there. And I am aware that you also had some other people you were trying to bring back, but, you know, because of time and restrictions, you kind of just were unable to. Was there anybody you just, you wanted to bring back, you just couldn't fit into the storyline? It just was like, not going to work? Not painfully. Um, you know, there there was a, there was a hot moment where I tried to get Harry Kim on oh, nice. front, Frontier Day to be captain of, I think it was the Hikaru Sulu, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then there was a Naomi Wildman, it was a character from Voyager who, who we wanted to cro- a grown-up Naomi Wildman to cross the seven of nine. Janeway was a, was a moment we thought might we need to cross to be the one who promoted seven to captain. It is time and money, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that's that's how it goes. Listen, getting Ensign Rowe for those episodes was awesome. Like that, like a character I always loved, never thought I'd see again. So like, thank yeah. you for that. That was that was great. I love the fact that you previous to this, we were talking about the the shape of the ships of the original and you know um next generation and in this we get to return to the enterprise d which was an, an awesome moment for us uh we talked about it on our podcast uh how much we actually loved that moment that slow shot of it coming out of jordy being like oh by the way i have this little project and it got us to talking and just want to have a quick question here is which have been your favorite ships from the series from from all of the um Star Trek. I'll let you take it, Terry. No, you go first. Go ahead. Uh, well, you you can't. For me, the the Enterprise refit from the motion picture, uh, that that scene where you go into the space dock is a hundred percent Starship porn. You can I can watch it yeah. over and over again on a loop. Uh, that is from the nineteen seventies, and there's nothing that has been shot since that qualifies as anything remotely close that ship is beautiful the way that that scene is done is just iconic and it is you believe it you believe that you are there so uh that for me the the original ship i have a a affinity for klingon ships so like the bird of prey the Mm. the d7 cruiser so it's like those type of ships uh when we were looking at the the shrike i looked at the uh uh, a lot of the Romulan ships that had been done by uh, uh, Andy Probert and Rick Sternbach in that era. Um, I, I think that those smooth lines and the curves uh, are just stunning. So uh, a lot of those things are really uh, inspirational. I mean, Dave took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it's that motion picture scene. I think the only thing to, for me that stands out uh, with it would be uh, Star Trek Three. When it when that same ship comes into space dock with the Excelsior with it, you know, is uh, but again, it's all in, the, in it's all in the same uh, world, but nothing beats mo- that motion picture sequence. Yeah. So funny you say that because I I was on the podcast talking with Norm saying like I never really understood the motion picture sequence why people loved it so much until Picard season three and I had that same emotional reaction to seeing the reveal of a ship that I like grew up with that I loved. And I was like, I'm going to have a newfound appreciation now for the the motion picture that my dad always was obsessed over. 
right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I think there is this idea of, and I never thought I'd have it, this emotional attachment to these objects, right? Well, we would uh, we would have done more shots. We just couldn't afford it. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> only okay. had, there's really only like three shots at the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. And that's because we, we had Frontier Day, you know, but we would have mm-hmm. way, way more shots of that thing, um, uh, uh, you know, in its glory if we could have. Yeah. Well, how much time was put into bringing the uh, the D back to life? Well, which part? The, the all of it, like the, the interior. Um, well, I let Dave yeah, speak uh, to that. But um, you know, the challenge of season three was that it came on the on directly on the heels of season two. Uh, this is the first time in uh, over almost three three decades that uh, twenty episodes of Star Trek has been done. Uh, so we finished season two and rolled right into season three without any time off. So mm-hmm. when we hit the ground and Terry said we wanted to do the D, I think we had roughly three months from the time that we that we found out we were doing it to the time we were shooting it. So it that wasn't a lot. I mean, even, even something like the Titan, I was going back to look at it the other day. And from the day that we got the outline to the day that we started shooting was 74 days which is wow. just not uh, a lot. Um, and it's just, it's like you're sitting there going, that's 74 calendar days from, from the time you go Titan and then to the day you're you're sitting on the bridge and you're actually shooting the episodes and all the stuff. So, uh, but we had about three months from the time we knew we started to do it. And that includes research, construction, finding all the materials. And, and you know, there wasn't a... Uh, you know, a drawer or a binder with all the information on it. We had to recompile it from, uh, all, you know, archives and screen captures and, and go, you know, bit by bit to make sure that we got everything right. What was it like stepping on the bridge there when it was all done? What, what was, th- that had to be a moment for you, right? For, for either of you to just like walk onto the bridge of the Enterprise and be like, I'm here. Well, <laughs> Dave, I'll... What, what was it, uh, what was it like for you because I I, I have mixed feelings about it. It, it it to me it wasn't it didn't live until post uh you know mm. yeah it, it's a it's a really weird thing and I think Terry and I will probably have to share a drink about this I don't think I we didn't appreciate it until the show aired yeah because when you're doing it it's you you, you never step onto the bridge of the enterprise right you walk on there every single day looking at something's wrong, trying to right. figure out how to, to mm-hmm. pay for it and and do this stuff. And you literally have the pressure of the world on your on your shoulders to finish this thing. And you're exhausted and all these things. And it's just one thing after another, after another. And you're like, so for me, it wasn't, there was never a moment like where I said this, what it was was being on the set alone a couple of times when it was all lit up and pretty. It did have that, cathedral feeling i felt like uh like being in the pantheon in rome it's like mm-hmm. you felt like you were in somewhere special and for me it wasn't stepping onto it it was never not wanting to walk off of it going i wonder if this is the last time i'm going to be able to be on the set and and then you know that that feeling but um but really just you know going back and re-watching the i rewatched the finale the other day and like literally was tearing up and going why yeah, I was there for this. Why didn't I have this type of reaction? Right. And then you go back and you remember why you didn't have that reaction at the time because you're pulling your hair out and, you know, having a temper tantrum because you can't get the, this or that or whatever. And it's like, 
but it was uh it's very mixed feelings uh looking back on it yeah we only had two days to shoot on it you know and normally for that amount of shooting i mean that's what you would have at least four so um i think there are moments when it was you know we would walk on in the in the morning and it was all lit up and you'd be like oh my god it's the enterprise day and then the cast is on and you're like i've got to rehearse i've got to get this down and i don't know where they're going to sit and where they're going to stand and how we're going to get this done there's a couple of moments that were really fun that i remember uh some of the action stuff with uh jordy data troy and and crusher uh where frakes was sitting next to me reading off screen action and it was just really fun and the cameras were zipping around and i had a blast directing that but for the most part it was like i've got to make my day you know how mm -hmm. are we lighting this how how are we doing it um and so you don't really feel like you're on the bridge in the enterprise d you, you really feel like you're in this set made of wood and carpet that we are still gluing together minutes before these people step on. Uh, and, and it's been a pressure all year to get it done in time. Uh, but then when you cut it together and you add the music, you add the sound effects and Majel Barrett, you're then you start to feel the emotion of it all and it comes together. And that's that was the moment was in post where you feel like, oh, my God, we actually did it. So funny. I actually talked to some real life astronauts on this journalism job I was doing. And I was like, so were you inspired when you were in space, like feeling God? And they're like, man, we had a job to do. <laughs> like we're there to do yeah. a job. Uh, maybe we should have felt that. Feels very similar. Um, so I got to ask, like I when I discovered Star Trek, it was, uh, you know, sitting next to my dad watching old reruns before we even had cable. Right. So when you're creating this this season, I mean, were you thinking about like the new generation of kids are going to grow up discovering this? Or is it really just about we need to get this right for ourselves and for the fans that exist now? I guess I'm asking about the legacy of Star Trek in air quotes. Uh, uh, both, you know, uh, the right ending for this was a passing of the torch. You know, so you were definitely setting up Jack and Sydney and Alondra and Seven on, uh, as a captain. And so um, the last 10 minutes certainly are suggesting that another generation is going to go out there. Right. But you would do that even even if this was the final Star Trek ever. That was also that would have been the ending. Right. Um, so you're thinking about both of those of those those things but you also i think for me it, you it was very important to say goodbye to this storyline in this cast the right way that was the goal and i i think we accomplished that yeah i think that there was a, a certain amount of closure that fans people everyone wanted and that they really got with this and i think that that's what resonates with a lot of people is that they had this unresolved unresolved feelings with the cast in the in the in the whole situation uh and nemesis well, i think was a phenomenal film but it didn't give people closure because it really wasn't it was like another chapter and maybe we'll go back and, and do another one but it, it just didn't didn't do what the final uh film did for the the tos uh folks did um and I think, but for me, I think what was great was it was a passing of the torch. I brought in all, all the old Star Trek designers 
And then we have the new Star Trek designers and new young uh, people who are designing Star Trek for the first time and learning from the folks who had done it before. And that blending of the old technology and the new technology is really what what brought the show together. I'm hoping this is a fun question because I, I think it's a fun question. Um, the very end of the series, you have a question posed to Seven of Nine about what her thing is going to be is it going to be engage go anything like that if you're sitting in the captain's chair and it's you what's your what's your phrase going to be oh my lord i don't know uh punch it chewy right <laughs> uh, that's taken that's taken you can't use it um you can use it you know i'm sadly ill prepared for this question um dave you got one yeah let's mosh yeah all right <laughs> nice um yeah it, that, that'll go over in about five living rooms but uh no um yeah i i think i think it's become a a thing did did i mean did i i i i'm now kirk actually, never really kirk had thing. one did, did no, kirk right? actually kirk never did yeah it was yeah. really picard who kind of started the trend and now everybody's got to have yeah. one now that you totally stuck the landing with the tng cast making us all happy any I, any rumblings you could share about potential d space nine or enterprise because i feel some of us feel like some of those shows would we'd love to see a return i have not heard anything about any of those no we got to see so many amazing ships this time that was truly like uh just ship porn for all of us but uh out of all of those ones, if you were able to be captain of any of them, which one would you choose? Would it be the the Klingon one? Would it be the mutiny? Would it be um, what is it? Uh, what's your the Deep Space Nine one, Norm, that you love? Oh, uh, the Defiant. Defiant. I mean, I'm I'm still I'm going with the Enterprise. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm just taking that one. The OG, yeah. Dibs on that, Dave. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'll take the I'll take the Bird of Prey because uh, you know, with with the upgraded you know, voyage home bridge, because, you know, I always love that, you know, nowadays with DVD and streaming and everything, you get called out on every continuity thing. And people forget that from Star Trek three to Star Trek four, the bridge got totally redesigned on the bird of prey and no one yeah. said boo. And it's like, you, you could do that back then. Nowadays, yeah. you could also, you could also yeah. fit a couple of whales in the cargo of that one. Yeah. yeah. You can go swimming down there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You guys did such a great job of bringing back my, not childhood because I wasn't a child when when TNG came out. I was I was in my teens. So um, you guys did such a good job uh, or a great job of bringing back that that feeling, and it definitely comes in through the design. Was there one particular design that you look back at and you go, "I'm really really happy how that looked." Like that was that to me was exactly what I imagined and exactly what I wanted. Yeah, that, that's the easy one. The transporter room uh, because. When when they walk into the transporter room, when any walked one walked into the transporter room, no one said anything. It just looked like a transporter room. It felt like a transporter room. It felt like a new transporter room, like someone glossed it up and and added the new tech. But it it felt exactly the way it should, and you didn't think about it. And that for me was what I was trying to do with the whole show. Is I don't want you thinking about the set. It should just look like a continuation of what we saw in Voyager and and. And, you know, it's just extending what the, you know, it's like an elevator 20 years ago, looks like an elevator today with a little bit of tech upgrade. That's what we want to do with all this, the sets and the design. 
I I was always uh, Dave's Bridge was always just the special thing for me because it had all this depth where you could look all the way back into the observation lounge and um had multiple levels and and these screens that were were every everywhere uh so for me it was the bridge it was just this incredible set that was uh unfortunately bulldozed but it's uh pretty uh pretty incredible should be against the law yeah yeah well it, it, it comes to that at the end of it and it's like you you it be, you got to get off the stage and it's like but i just want all of this in my house um but yeah you can't did uh, any of you ever make it to the Las Vegas experience when they had the Star Trek experience there? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. I, I I actually I had a funny story. I was there and I was supposed to meet a friend there. We were on our going to stop there and then drive back to L.A. And I'm standing there waiting for him in line to show up, and I waited for like an hour, two hours, and he never shows up. And then I finally got a, got him on the phone. He's like, "Yeah, I'm in Barstow." And he like left me in Vegas. So uh no, never saw the uh the experience. Oh man. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah. like I was on the bridge there and like literally like I was like, why can't we just do that? Every time there's a Star Trek show, just like turn it into a, a bar somewhere that we can then go and hang out with Klingons and whatnot. Yeah, I really hope somebody resurrects that at some point. Well, they did um, that with the, the 10 forward bar. They they kept it and and turned it into an experience. So hopefully, you know, who knows? It's, you know, I, I think that that's becoming a, a thing that people are re realizing that as an opportunity now with, with all the conventions and things is that maybe you can do these fan experiences and make it traveling around, but, um, be great. Then your work wouldn't just get bulldozed at the end yeah. of every season. There you go. <laughs> so, um, if we have time for one last question, I would just love to ask about, uh, Star Trek legacy. I know you probably not too much you can say about it, but is there anything like lessons you learned or, uh, stuff that because it went down in this card season three that you're now going to pull into that, like lean into that or, or use those experiences uh, when, when legacy comes around. Well, it's, it's not a thing, unfortunately, it's not really a, sh it's not a, it's not a show. So there's really nothing to, to pull into anything. It's, it, it's, but uh, maybe one day, hopefully uh, it, it would be, it's a different, it, yeah, it's a different idea. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's much more akin to, to a Star Trek, the next generation. But we'll we'll see. Hopefully, you know, you know, the, uh, if uh, if fans demand it. Well, that that's what I wanted to bring up. The fact that there is I'm not sure if you know, there is a petition out there on uh, I think change.org or whatever. Yeah, um, I've seen, I've seen okay, it. You have seen it. So so that, that's got to be that's going to be pretty heartwarming, knowing that a bunch of these fans have seen what you guys accomplished here and have said, hey, they knew what they were doing. They did it right. They made us feel the way we loved feeling when we first saw these characters and, and these designs. So th there's gotta be like some heartfelt, like I, we, we accomplished this, right. Seeing that petition. It's, it's lovely. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's beyond heartwarming. Um, yeah. I mean, we would love nothing more than to, I mean, that was the, the, we certainly set it up at the end and, there's a lot more story to tell and, and a lot more. We would love to see these characters again and um, and more um, in the 25th century. So um, should the television gods uh, smile upon us, uh, we'll be ready. Perfect. <laughs> well, I'll say that um, it wouldn't be the first time that rabid Star Trek fans have resurrected or saved the property. So Right, right. Just exactly. Keep, keep it going. 
We'll cool. See. Well, thanks so much, Terry. Dave, oh. we really appreciate you guys joining us on thanks the podcast here. Thank you. Again, yeah. we can't say we can't say enough about um the series as a as a whole, really. Um, we we loved it. We talked heavily about it on our podcast, and we're so happy that this story, um, like 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 David said, had that feeling of like, hey, the Star Trek ending where we're passing the torch, not like, oh, we still have something more to tell. Like, yeah, we still have more to tell, but this particular chapter feels like hey we can now like move on and you guys just did awesome work on that well we really appreciate that thank you yeah and i'll say that the the idea of blending those legacies of the old and the new i mean i just feel like they've been you know it's something that's so sacred to a lot of the star trek fans so be able to thread that needle was just really expertly done so congrats again uh terry and dave on that yeah it's you know people say nostalgia and it's like an it's a bad word but it's really it's not. It's just learning from our past and and embracing it and then and, and and you know kind of like I said, going home again. It's like it, there. It's like you know bringing people to together to, it, it, with a certain emotion and it's a yeah. it's a hard skill and uh, and some people have it. So hopefully uh, they learn. They see that that Terry has it and they uh, you know pick up the phone. But yeah, hope so. Again, great. Well, thanks, thanks, guys. thanks, guys, for joining us here on the Verse. Um, you guys did great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. The Verse is produced by Stephen Puzikowski. 